Steven, here we are. The last regular season, just your pregame show man of the year. When you think of the regular season, the 2022 NFL season, what comes to mind? Um, It was just bizarre. Just a bizarre season. I don't know. This is like, it's kind of similar to last year. It's just, when I think of this season, it's, it's pretty much dominated by the AFC quarterbacks. You know, the 49ers are that one team in the NFC that everyone's going crazy for. Last year, it was like the Packers, I think, right? The Packers were that one team. So it's like, I don't know. It's kind of the same as these last two years where it seems like the AFC, there's like competition everywhere. And then in the NFC, it's just like you may get some teams that that flash, but at the same time, it's just been like the Niners who have dominated. And that's really it. So I don't know. I It's kind of the same as last year, I guess, the way that I put it. Well, when I think of the 2022 NFL regular season, only one thing comes to mind, and it's a song. What's that Whopper, song? whopper, whopper, whopper. I want a big old whopper. Someone give me a whopper. I rule this day. BK, have it your way. You, you rule. rule. That was nice. nice. Yeah, my fa- literally I- that has been the song of the season. Every commercial break, every waking hour, it's catchy as hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, catchy, but in not a, not in a good way. Like at least "Scoop There It Is" was catchy. Oh, like, "Scoop There It Is." I forgot about "Scoop There It Is." "Scoop There It Is" is was absolutely more catchy than just "Whopper." What the worst one? <laughs> well, that's a, that's not the best thing. Is like when you're watching something, you're like, "Fuck." My team's getting their ass kicked. <laughs> we'll be right back. Whopper, whopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my favorite one was. Uh, my favorite one was. Like there is this Texans fan who uh, who posted like a caption in the uh, like a video of himself watching the game. And the caption was like, when you think your team is about to win and then they just throw a game yeah. six, or a pick six that loses the game. And, that, like, and this song comes on and he's just like watching. The worst one was the chicken whopper, though. Chicken, 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 <laughs> chicken, 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 certified chicken. It's like, dude, it, it, do you think anyone really like not to disparage Burger King? But for one, who goes there anymore? Nobody goes to Burger King willingly. Well, I I got to be honest. I do think about that when I watch those commercials. Like Wendy's has like the mozzarella new sandwich. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's when I watch the commercials, mozzarella. I'm like, I'm not like I, I, I don't really do fast food anymore. But when I do, I think about, you know, um, McDonald's is always good. And that's like the go to for everybody. But I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have Wendy's that much anymore. And I did on the way home with a line when we were doing that eight hour drive. Right. I should have got that mozzarella thing, but that probably would have been a, uh, that a risky been, thing in the car. That would have been a bad idea. I've been watching this cooking guy on YouTube who, sorry to cut you off, but I, I watched yeah. this cooking guy on YouTube who's like making a version of it himself. And he opened the Wendy's and it's like, and he, and he cut it in half, the Italian sandwich. Yeah. It was, it, you're Not good. Just, you dodged a bullet there. By yeah, and I, I, I would have got one in the middle of nowhere too. So, Right. Have, have have your imagination go at it. Um, <laughs> Burger King, though, because of that damn song, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I go for a Whopper, actually. It's the power of advertisement, Stephen. I just, I, I've had a lot of Whoppers in my life. Like, I used to go there all the time. Well, as a kid, I was, you know, it'd be like one or the other. Like, one day it'd be McDonald's, one day it'd be Burger King. And there's chicken, there's chicken strips, like, not good. Burger's okay. Fry's actually pretty solid. But yeah, mm. I haven't been to Burger King in a long-ass time. I used to think but I might Burger go now because of that damn song. The Burger King fries were the number one. I thought for the over longest McDonald's. Time. 
over McDonald's for the longest time. Ooh, I don't know for about the that. long for the longest time, but a I don't thicker. But they but they've changed. They used to be a lot better, but they changed. Um, what, Wendy's is great too. I just had it recently. I had the crispy chicken uh, or spicy chicken sandwich. Mm. Solid go to every time I go there. Um, you can you can the make the case that we, you can make the case we grew up in like the golden age of Burger King because like in the yeah. early two thousands they had like the Simpsons watches. Uh, they had the I, I had like four of them. Uh, they only had four, so no, I didn't. I didn't have all of them. I I missed one. I forgot. It was one. all based on the kids' meals. Yes, and then they also had the Wild Wild West sunglasses. I literally was just about to say which place had Wild Wild West toys. Yes, yeah, it was Burger King. Okay, they they any summer movie they went all out. Yeah, Burger I'm, and Men in Black too. I remember they had solid toys for that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean McDonald's always had the Happy Meal, whatever. Disney, the Disney movies, yeah. Yeah, but like Burger King, it was all about Burger, Burger King was more edgy. They had small soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> the late nineties, early two thousands, that's where it was at, man. And I used to, I we used to go there though because after um like I'd play a little league game, like yeah. there's a little plaza that's right down the street, and there's a Burger King and a Taco Bell right there. We didn't have like a McDonald's near us, so we'd always go to the Burger King and the Taco Bell. In Pleasanton? Yeah. No, in, there, in Fremont. So if you ever... Okay. So this is for all the people out there in the Bay Area who have the knowledge of this. If you go from 680 to 880, the little the little street that you have to go on, like the little thing, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, the intersection, I don't know. It's like got a whole... I didn't even know it had a whole highway number to it. It's like Highway 282 or something. But uh, yeah, on the left, if you're going from 680 to 880... You'll see on the left, there's a Burger King and a Taco Bell. Used to go there all the time. Dom, you did Taco Bell. My fondest memories of doing summers in uh, the Bay Area with my dad was going to whatever summer, you know, like soccer thing I did, which I fucking hated. Mm. And then afterwards, going to downtown Danville where they had that Burger King right across the street from Dominico's. And you get the Happy Meal of whatever it was, Small Soldiers or whatever movie that was coming out that summertime. So, mm. Those were good times. Wait, hang on. I got we got Ernie here. He worked at Burger King. The rodeo burger was legit. The rodeo burger was I don't underrated. No, no, they never advertised it. It was just right there. It's like the rodeo burger. What's that? It was just a little cheeseburger with a little onion ring and barbecue sauce. Little rodeo burger, and then hmm. the, the the chicken sandwich. I always went back and forth on the chicken sandwich. At Burger I, King? Really, I, I was never a huge fan because the 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 length of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't. It wasn't like a circular sandwich. It was like long. <laughs> You're more of a girth guy when it comes to chicken sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> fast food aside, if I had to think of the NFL regular season, I would say kind of a slight. It's always football, but a slight disappointment with how much things were hyped up in the off season. And I know I keep going back to this, but like so many of the moves. From Russell Wilson to Matt Ryan. All the big moves that were made. The Raiders, obviously, with Devontae Adams to Chandler Jones. And Devontae Adams uh, panned out. But just a lot of hype that led to kind of average teams here or there. There were still great teams to watch this season. Had a fun watch the Niners and the Eagles and the Bills, Chiefs, Bengals. Uh, But, yeah, I would say, like, a lot of hype that didn't lead to as much competitiveness as i thought there was going to be i actually agree with you like as far as the trades and everything we were talking about oh my god this is the biggest offseason for it, trades i ever. mean 
It was, and I think we're going to go down that road again this offseason, of course, with Derek Carr. We'll talk about that more with what his brother said. But, yes, I think that uh, it's going to be hard to top this 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 past offseason, and I just don't think it lived up to the hype. But then again, really, it never does. Yeah, the I mean, the AFC West naturally was like the the one where everyone yes. thought that was going to be the division. four-team playoff. From, but, yeah. Yes, and the Broncos, they stunk. Um, the Chargers, well, they were riddled with injuries for a majority of their year. Um, but actually, they're getting healthy at the right time. That's what's interesting about them. I'm very interested to see what they do in the playoffs. I think Joey Bosa is going to be back. Um, so that should be interesting. And I don't know. It, and just random side note on the Chargers, like Mike Williams, I don't know if there's any player that week after week makes as tough of catches as he does. Like, Oh, yeah, that one that one he had uh, last week was pretty it's sweet. Just, it's just it's just week after week with that guy. But anyway, AFC West, kind of disappointing. Uh, you know, AFC North, the Bengals naturally were dominant. And, I mean, you had, what, the Steelers, they're kind of coming on right now. But I don't know if they're really going to be a threat in the playoffs. Um, Probably not, but they have a very good chance to make the playoffs. The Ravens have been a really weird team. Um just a strange one because you don't feel like they're that good, but then all, but then you realize like, Oh, this Bill's Bengals game on Sunday would have, or not Bill's Bengals, the Ravens Bengals would have had implications had it not been for the alterations, which I'm sure we're going to get to as well, but Oh, we will. But then like the AFC East still, it's just all bills. And then the dolphins have been a disappointment in these last five games. And then the AFC South is still the AFC South. <laughs> and then like in the NFC, it's yeah, you're right. It's really just, it's really all the same. It's like it, it seems like the most the 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 best move that's been made still is the Bills adding Stephon Diggs. It feels like that move like has been the yeah. best one of the past two seasons or however uh, long it's been. It it honestly turned them from a running team into a passing team and made Josh Allen the MVP caliber guy that he is today. Right. Um. So yeah, let's get let's get Strange. into it. Strange. Yeah. Wow. I never really thought about it in its totality until you asked me that question. Just a weird season. And then it, you know, then it, then you cap it off with what happened on Monday night yeah. football last week. And it's just like, Oh my God. So I'm glad you and I did the podcast when we did, because if we would have done one later, it probably would have been grim and unknowing of the life of DeMar Hamlin. I don't know if I would have wanted to do one. Yeah. To be honest, there's too much. Cause it, cause if you, if, and this is what I'm glad about. I'm sorry, I'm just cutting you off, but yeah, I just go, had to go ahead. Out of my head. I like, usually cut you off. But like it could lead to a lot of just unnecessary speculation, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm glad that ESPN didn't do. Um I agree. You know, it's random that they decided to bring on Stephen A later on that night to talk about it. It's like, why are you bringing on Stephen A. Smith? Well, but- Yes, but let me let me me get to all that of how the TV, uh, the broadcast was handled. Uh, So last time we did a show, you and I were here Monday and we were previewing the Bills Bengals game. And it was no denying it was going to be a huge game. Uh, It had huge playoff implications, uh, maybe even MVP implications with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. And the game started off with a bang. Uh, Joe Burrow went down, scored a touchdown, uh, threw one to Tyler Boyd. And. Then, you know, there was a field goal, and we only got to the first quarter. And then everybody knows the story by now. uh, Tyler, oh no, T. Higgins went over the middle and collided with DeMar Hamlin. And DeMar Hamlin went into cardiac arrest uh, as a result of the hit. Um, You and I were texting back and forth about David Carr's comments, and we will talk about that a little later. 
And then you text me, wow, that looked terrible. And I got to be completely honest. Sometimes when injuries happen and they don't look terrible to the point where you got to see if the guy's okay or not, I kind of turn away mm. with the hope that they will, that you know everything's fine. And then you texted me that, and I was like, wait, what, what's going on, actually? So I turned my attention more to the game because I also had the Warriors game going on. And the visual of DeMar Hamlin getting up and then collapsing was scary because at first you're like, oh, he had a concussion. He The lights went out. He just fell to the ground. And then as time goes on, you're like, this is taking a long time. And then you hear or actually you see the faces of Josh Allen and Tredavious White and Stephon Diggs all crying. And you're like, what's going on? And then Joe Buck goes, they, they kept going back to him, and I'm sure he was annoyed with this, saying there's nothing to report, there's nothing to report. And then finally he goes, they're giving CPR to DeMar Hamlin on the field right now. Yeah. Let me learn that he had a ventilator, or sorry, not a, a defibrillator on the field. And usually teams, you know, I've never seen anything to the point where at least we didn't get a thumbs up from a guy or a, a, an applause of like, okay, he may not be playing football for the rest of the year, but he'll be okay. That didn't happen. Right. We, 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 we left with Demar Hamlin left that field with us wondering what's going on. Is this guy going to live or die? And I thought that the bills handled it. Fantastic. I know a lot of people were wondering if they were going to play that game. And I think at some point they were, I, there's a lot of speculation going on with the five minute breather thing. Uh, Joe Burrow was throwing passes. Stephon Diggs was rallying the Bills. You looked like they were going to go back and play that game. And then, from what it sounds like, when you hear the press conferences from Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott just went to Zach Taylor and said, I can't coach this game. Right. I should be there with DeMar Hamlin. And I'm glad that the Bills left it up to themselves. Um, I was okay with whatever they wanted to choose. If they kept, If they felt comfortable playing that game, even though how eerie and weird that was going to be, that's their right as players. But you talked to every, I, you know, we had a bunch of guys on this week and everyone was in agreement from old players, from Brent Jones to Kurt Warner came on with us to Dante Whitner. All of them said that that game should not have kept going on. So I'm glad that the Bills and Bengals came to that decision and it wasn't the NFL's decision. It sounds like it was the player's decision. And yeah, just a scary thing. And to the latest news now with DeMar Hamlin waking up and doing you know doing a FaceTime with the Bills for a team meeting um, you have to wonder if that's going to make them you know rally and go forward but whatever the case may be um, I thought that it, it, it's a hard situation I know that everybody was upset with the NFL didn't cancel the game immediately it's just unprecedented no one's ever started a game and then not finished it but as far as the Bills and the Bengals this week, I commend them, and I'm glad that DeMar Hamlin did not lose his life, and he is doing better. Well, also, when we're sitting there on our couches just watching it unfold, time is moving really slow. Um, I have a feeling for the NFL, time was moving really fast uh, at that point. Like, mm -hmm. they're not just – I don't think they were even – I actually believe it when um, – I'm not so sure how I feel about the whole – yeah, we didn't tell ESPN to that the five minutes on the field thing was was real. I'm I'm actually I haven't even dug as deep into that. Like it just felt at the time like would ESPN really have said anything and just made that up? But anyway, um, no, I think that like time was moving probably really fast for them in that yeah. moment. Um, you know, I mean, 
for the first 10 minutes, they thought they might've lost a player like right on the field. They had no idea what was going on. And then after you got to make the decision, like we need to postpone this game, but also there's so much that goes into it. You know, you got to write statements. You got to probably go, you got to jump through a lot of hoops to do it. So it's very easy to say, like, as we're sitting on our couches watching it, they need to suspend this game immediately. Like what is it? What's the NFL doing? Well, at the same time, they're probably discussing this and then the clock's ticking. And then all of a sudden an hour goes by, you know what I mean? Like there's just, I don't blame the NFL for that, for, for the delay of the postponement. So that's, you know, whatever. I'm just glad that they did. And yeah, that the, the, I've never seen anything like that on a broadcast. They went to commercial break, I think three times um, in the middle of it. And then when it started going around on Twitter, that's when Buck uh, felt like obligated, I guess, to say like, just let you know in this, during these commercial breaks, as we've been, as we've been doing this, like he was administered CPR. It's like, what? Yeah. You know? So it became real. And then um, what was it? And, and like you mentioned too, like normally you're used to seeing a player give a thumbs up and that's what made everything like just that much worse. I, I forgot what the, uh, the word Lisa Salter Salters used to describe like what the feeling was in that stadium. But she was saying that you're used to seeing the player give the thumbs up. Everything's yeah. okay. All right, we can move on with the game. So when you don't see something like that, it just it becomes all the more scary. But at the same time, this whole week, it's turned into one of the more – it's still terrible. I'm not trying to take anything away from how terrible it is. But at the same time, it's been such an uplifting uh, past couple of days, especially yeah. with how dark everything was on Tuesday and Wednesday. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I you know – there were questions of whether or not we we're going to play games this weekend, and I thought that that was a legitimate argument to be made, just how you don't know what was going to, what was going to happen with DeMar Hamlin. And I think everybody is relieved um, now that he is doing better, and he you know, FaceTimed the team and had that statement where he woke up and wrote to the doctors, did we win the game? And they were like, no. I mean, like, they said, yes, you won the game of life. So... We are, I mean, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but a couple years ago, this happened during a soccer match where a player fell on the pitch and they had to resuscitate him back to life. Not even a couple of years ago. It was one year ago. Or was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was 2020, 2021, I think. So, yeah, it was during the Euros, man. It was uh, Eric. uh, Oh, my gosh. Why am I? Why am I blanking on this on his name in this moment? But he was a Danish player um, and he's really, really good. He played for Tottenham and. and he was really solid. And then, yeah, he just dropped to the ground. That was one of the, that's what it reminded me of. You know, I didn't think concussion uh, after a little bit because his thing was, yeah, my heart just stopped in the middle yeah. of the field. Um, and then he was brought back to life. And yeah. then when you think about the Hamlin thing too, just how quick they were on it. I don't know if you heard the audio TMZ, like posted the audio of the call between all the medical staff. No, and that's something I don't know if I want to listen to. You, do, I mean, it's it's tough. I was just trying to figure. I was just trying to listen to anything that I yeah. could just to get a, a feel for it. And yeah, like the how quick the medical staff said, "Oh, something's wrong. We need all hands on deck right now. We need everybody there, like everything." Yeah, to help this guy. And and the thing about this too is like, I don't know how many people knew about Demar Hamlin before this game. I personally did not know much about him. And then you get all these stories just about the type of guy that he is. And it kind of makes you think like we need to shed light more on some of these, you know, younger players who do good 
for their community and just yeah. seem to be fantastic people because uh, everything that I've read, everything that I've heard, I had like a former, uh, one of his teachers from his old high school in Pittsburgh call to KCBS. He oh, nice. Just wanted, he just wanted to call and give a couple of thoughts on, on who he was. He only talked about him as a, he only taught him as a freshman. So he didn't know him that well. Um, but then you just, you hear about the type of person that he is. It's like, these guys deserve a little more spotlight, you know, like barring any sort of injury, like those types of dudes need to be propelled. I think, right. uh, going forward, I think that's some, that's all, that's a lesson we can learn from, from all of this. No, I, I In agree. Part, there's a lot I of th- lessons to learn from this is <laughs> it was such a gosh, man. I mean, you, what was your reaction, man? Like when you watched it, you, but I, I, I couldn't move. I was, it was the weirdest feeling I ever had watching a football game, to be completely honest, because I was always in the mindset that no matter what, games will always be played. And believe me, like a younger me would have probably been, it, it made me realize that I get caught up in football a lot, and sometimes life is just bigger than that. And we all get caught up in our fantasy football stuff and our picks and our spreads. At the end of the day, these are guys that give their life for this game. And I'm sure a lot of people got screwed by the cancellation of the game with the fan with fantasy implications. I know you did, Steven, but that's just what happens with this. And it was weird because I was mixed where I was going to be pessimistic and thinking that they were going to continue playing the game because that's just what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. We had we had Dante Whitner on earlier this week, and he said that back in 2007, I don't know if you remember this, Stephen, but Kevin Everett was a tight end for the Bills who on the first play of the season suffered a spinal cord injury. Mm. And he was down on the field for a while until they got him up and he gave a thumbs up. But Dante Whitner admitted to us back then he wished that he could voice his displeasure of going back and playing that game. And he talks about how whenever something chilling like that happens for players to get back on the field, it's not good football because guys are easing up and not really wanting to go full speed because we're thinking, God, what if that happened to me? And I'm glad that we changed that mentality for this. And well, it's also unprecedented. No one, you know, we know the stories. Jack Tatum paralyzed somebody. Ryan Shazier was paralyzed on the field. There's so many terrible instances of that but never life and death the only thing that i can think of that was similar that was taught to me this week was hank gathers who back uh, played for lmu back in the day in 1990 and he suffered something similar where he actually died on the court and thank god this did not happen so for the first time in a while i was reminded of how just the how football is just a game and it doesn't matter if we continue this game or not. Um, and I was kind of surprised that they didn't continue the game just because I know how the NFL rolls. But I'm glad that everybody made the right decision. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a weird feeling. I knew yeah. the importance of the game itself, but also, I mean, you can't – someone's life in stake. So as far as how it was going to proceed forward, I didn't know what was going to happen after that. That was the biggest mystery of it really didn't matter, but are we going to pick up and play this game tomorrow? Are we going to play it later in the week? And I'm glad that the NFL came to the decision that maybe it's just best not to do this. 
maybe it's just, you know, we have these COVID protocols of canceling games and, you know, NFL was lucky to never cancel a game during COVID. They have played all, you know, every week of that season. And yeah, it, you know, I know we'll get into now how the playoffs are messed up and everything as far as the AFC, but I think it's a small price to pay for doing the best thing for DeMar Hamlin to, to live. Right. And, and also like, you know, the donations thing, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. which was fantastic. But I also think that like the NFL needs to do a better job of promoting like what these guys are doing, you know, like they always say, you know, the guy doesn't do it for the camera or whatever. And, and absolutely they, they don't, but put a camera on him, let people know like $2,500, like that guy should have been able to make enough, at least reach that goal of 2,500. If the NFL would just say, Hey, if you're in this area of Pennsylvania, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, I don't know, 2,500 just seems like such a small number with the amount that's been given now. And it's fantastic what happened. Like everything, you know, I think they've raised up to 8 million now. They're close to 8 million, even more than that, because more donations have come in and they've created a whole separate foundation or fund now. Like it's more than just a GoFundMe page, but yeah. I don't know. I think the NFL also needs to prop these guys up for when they're doing that charitable work. And they do it with the Walter Payton man of the year award and they do all of that. But you know, not all of these guys can be nominated for the man of the year award. They're all trying to do charitable work in some form or fashion. So I think, you know, they need to prop that up a little bit more too. It's tough. I mean, I think every league needs to do a better job. For of sure. That. No doubt. But that's just not, you know, sexy enough for them. You know, like we, we want to know like, you know, who the high profile guys are. I knew of DeMar Hamlin. I know he's, he made a couple of plays this season. He's filling in for Jordan Poyer. Um, or no, sorry, not Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde as the starting safety this year for the bills had a sweet interception on Patrick Mahomes in the end zone. He did. Yep. He did. Um, and I'm just happy that he's doing all right. Yeah. Uh, whatever happens to him football wise going later in his life, um, he'll make that decision, but I'm just glad that he gets to live another day. Uh, the thing that I did think about though, was when he, we got that statement where the, the doctor said, um, he asked, did we win the game? And they said, no, no. Oh, well, yes, Damar, you won the game of life. I would have, I wouldn't, oh, it just would have been hilarious to me if Damar was like, oh man, they didn't, they didn't finish the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, it was something out of a movie, like everything oh. that's been happening. It's, it's oh, yeah. insane. Like the and doctors doing a zoom call and all of that. Yeah. I think, I, I think everything worked out uh, for the best uh, for him going forward. And I will say this, uh, I, something like this happens. You get a lot of people that don't know about football get to speak out. I know CNN was covering the story, and I think everybody did a great job, but I think also there was a lot of negativity about football in that moment. And I thought it should be more about DeMar in his life, where some people were discussing, you know, should football be played? And it wasn't really anything to do with the hit. I know some people were throwing shade at T. Higgins for what he did. He did nothing wrong. It was a freak thing. It was an absolute freak thing. The guy's heart exploded on impact. That doesn't happen normally in football. I know people are upset with head injuries and everything, but it had nothing to do with anything as far as the game being played. It was just a freak thing. And I think people need to remember that. Yeah, I, and it it also like brought me back to the Ryan Shazier hit too. Yeah. Like that hit ruined his career, and he – it didn't look like much like 
upon viewing, it doesn't look like much. And it was kind of the same thing with this hit. It just looked like a routine football tackle. Like, and and that's kind of where that's almost like the scariest ones where it's just uh, where it's routine, but something is truly wrong. Like that's almost like the worst of it. I I saw Ryan Clark bring up like his hit on Willis McGahee. I remember watching that game. I, I, like I, it was Ravens Steelers in the in the playoffs, and I remember watching that at my friend's house. And like he said, as soon as Willis McGahee said we were okay and we can move, we can move on. It was all good, but it's just like the forceful hits like that one. It's not like those are always going to be the ones that are yeah the most devastating. Some of them are just routine, like you don't think much of it, but it just takes a, a tiny little thing. And then I don't like straight up. I didn't even look at any of the negative stuff that was coming out about this, especially when it came to like, I I heard, I didn't see anything, but I got texts. Like, are people really bringing up vaccinations right now? Um, Uh, And I think like one of these dudes who's been on Joe Rogan before said the reason that this happened is because he was vaccinated or something. It's like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't, I don't even want to touch that, you know? And, and it's just, it's just this stuff that people think of. And the worst too was also, when um uh what's it called when the doctors were speaking or like his friend uh business partner that mm-hmm. guy i think jordan rooney was his name yeah. the spokesperson for the family who's just updating people because people are interested i'm like seeing people who are saying like these people are only doing this for clout it's like no 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 no, no. his his interested in his hearing about his life and his what uncle is his uncle was doing a fantastic job updating everybody, and he just wanted to get the story out there so people can know that Demar is doing well. And um, yeah, I, a lot of negative stuff came out of this week, but also I think a lot of positive stuff came out. I thought ESPN, who normally dives into the hot take stuff, did a fantastic job with covering it. Um, I thought Joe Buck and Troikman did a fantastic job. Troikman was the first one to say on the broadcast, I don't think we should be playing this game. Um, I thought that Scott Van Pelt did an amazing job. I thought Ryan Clark did an amazing job. Just, it's tough. Cause that's like, as far as the game, like, yeah, it was huge. It was the going to be the highest rated Monday night football game they've had in quite some time. Cause we know the truth when it went, when it goes to cable, they don't get as many sexy games as they had in the past. And having this game for the playoff implications that it had was going to be huge. And for them to realize it's not going to happen now. I thought they handled it very well. They had to fill the time. Uh, amazing job by everybody I did at the broadcast that night, in my opinion. Yeah, that's why they are. That's why they're in the position that they're in. That's why Susie Culver has been doing it for so long. Um, you know, whatever issues that you have with Adam Schefter, he dealt with it perfectly. Um, you know, Scott Van Pelt is a pro's pro. Like, this is why he's in this in the space that he's in. Like, you can think about all the sports broadcasters that could be working, like, on the last night or the last show of the night on ESPN, you need a pros pro who can deal with this sort of stuff that is unexpected, unprecedented. You know, I thought Booger McFarlane also did a fantastic job and yeah. it, and you know, it, it showed the, the human side to it because, you know, at some point you kind of stop being, you, you try to be as professional as you can, but at some point, like, you know, you could bring emotion into it. And I thought they did just the right amount you know, like there wasn't any speculation about what's going on. All it was, was we hope he's okay. Like, this is what we know. Like, we're not going to try and say any, think of anything further. Like, I don't even think they really used any past examples of things like this really happening, which is good because that's the type of thing that can really stir 
fear in and create that around people. So yeah, just all around, I thought they they handled it brilliantly. I I thought so. Um, now I know a lot of people are upset with what Skip Bayless tweeted that night, and I will say that Skip did that incredibly. Uh, he he just did it at a poor time. He tweeted that out at a poor time to suggest that you know he was he was thinking about the game more than Demar Hamlin in that moment. And I understand everyone's outpour of anger, but I think everybody wanted to point the finger, be angry at somebody at that moment, because the reality is that is something that we're dealing with now with this game not being played. You understand what I'm saying, Stephen? Like, I understand people were upset with Skip Bayless in that moment, but it is something that people are bringing up now in that, you know, the game not being played, it has huge ramifications with how we go forward with the playoff picture. So while it was terrible for him to tweet that in that moment, and I thought he ha- handled like a child the next day with Shannon Sharp on his show. I do think that now we are dealing with the fact that this game is not being played. It has huge ramifications for the playoffs for the AFC. Yeah, but it's the, ti- it's the timing. It's, of it's it. justified with what happened on the field that day. It's it's the timing of it, and yeah, yeah, I, it, yeah. and and whatever that was that he did afterwards, that was not an apology by any stretch. No, it was like, shitty. Like he easily could have said like, Hey, this is what I meant in the moment. I didn't mean to take the, I didn't mean to take the focus off of Damar Hamlin. I didn't want to do that. Like he didn't apologize or do anything. He basically, I I can't even remember what he said, but then also not letting Shannon Sharp even talk like during a monologue. Yeah. You know? And, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's like me last week when you're trying to explain your Vegas story and I kept on sidetracking you. You could have easily just wanted to punch through the computer and strangle me. I took a listen back to the podcast. I kind of realized it's the first half hour. Yeah, you were uh, fine. It wasn't like, you know, Jordan, but it wasn't um, like Skip being like, excuse me. I know you're talking about your brother that was paralyzed on the field, but I am not apologizing. <laughs> it's like, dude, just let him. He says the tweet. I disagree. I disagree with. Well, let me. Let me. It's just like, what? It's I don't know. And I personally think like that was real with what the what Shannon's reaction was. I don't think oh, 100%. it was 100 percent. I don't if think it doesn't know. Shannon Sharp had, if you know, one of the one of the biggest what if in NFL history is a Sterling Sharp. His brother lost his career because of a neck injury. Mm-hmm. He could have been right up there with Jerry Rice and Michael Irvin in the 90s. But an in, a neck injury ruined his career and he went on to be a fantastic broadcaster but that hits home to Shannon and realize I realized this week talking to, I personally didn't talk to, but having former NFL players on Tolbert and Copes this week just makes you realize how much of a, you know, a lifelong bond it is for everybody that plays. So I think, you know, broadcasters have an opinion about whether or not the game should have been played. I think it was unanimous in front of all the former athletes. You can't go on and play that game. And they did the right thing. Now, that being said, the most, I mean, I you know we gotta preface it every time we say this, but the most important thing was Demar Hamlin's health, and he will be fine going forward. But now we have to deal with the fact that that game was not played, so the NFL decided to change the structure of the AFC playoffs, and there was questions on whether or not we're gonna play games this week. I you know judging on what would have happened with Demar Hamlin, I could have made the case for not playing games this week, and then you push everything back, you try to make up the Bills Bengals game. It's just too hard. It's too hard to do all that stuff, so I'm glad they came. They did with what they 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 came up with this, but it is kind of convoluted and complicated. So 
now that the Bills and Bengals have one less game than the Chiefs, it leads to this whole thing of who's going to host the AFC Championship game, who's going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, who's going to be the one seed. So basically what it comes down to today is that if the Chiefs win their game against the Raiders, they have the one seed. Right. Fair or unfair, that's just what it is at this point. Um, and the Bills pretty much have locked up the two seed. If that game would have been played and the Bengals would have beat the Bills and the Raiders would have beat the Chiefs, the Bengals would have had a shot for the number one seed. But things happen. And I'll also bring up this just to bring a history lesson into the fold. Um, the 72 Dolphins, when they went undefeated, did not host the AFC Championship game. Back right. in the 70s, they rotated who had home field advantage based on division. So that was unfair to me. Looking back on history, this will be unfair to some people. But at the end of the day, if the Bills don't have a problem with it, if the Chiefs don't have a problem with it, if the Bengals don't have a problem with it, then I think we all should not have a problem with it. I just think it's weird that we're going to have the AFC Championship game if it's between these three teams at a neutral site. That's weird to me, but it is what it is at this point. Well, it seems the Bengals do have a problem with it, though. Like They have a problem with this, and I agree with them. So here's the whole thing. Can, yeah, please explain this. I want to. I, I, I was feel actually like kind of. I was kind of looking forward to this because this is one of the most complicated things that's happened in football. I think somebody tweeted out like, "Explain this to me like I'm five when they read the resolution. I'm like, "Yes, please, somebody do it." I will do my best because I think like the only thing I really am versed in is playoff scenarios, and I'm, I'm not like Steve uh, Karnacki, but I'll try my best. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is like you ever seen basketball, Stephen, when Dan Patrick and Kenny Maine are explaining the uh, the different playoff scenarios that yes. it ends with Kenny Maine saying like, and if there's a tie, we'll have a sack, we'll have a sack race for the next second yeah. Sundays. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> some convoluted thing. All right, so here's the deal. So now that the Bills and Bengals have one less playoff game than everybody else in the a in the NFL, this is what the NFL has come up with. If the Bills and Chiefs win, and if the Bills or Bengals make the AFC Championship game with the Chiefs, it will be played at a neutral site. So let's say the Raiders beat the Chiefs today. Then the Bills, if they win tomorrow against the Patriots, they get the one seed. And then... I think that justifies them having home field throughout the playoffs. So if that's the case, to my knowledge, it sounds like the AFC Championship game will be played at Orchard Park in that scenario. I thought, I can see this is where it gets confusing. I thought the AFC Championship was played at a neutral site if the teams had played an unequal amount of games. I think that only comes into fold if the Bills and Raiders win. Okay. Again, I'm not 100% on this because <laughs> I was told something else, but this is what I I, I know to be or, – this is what I think is the deal. So maybe I, I am wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fucking convoluted. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if the Bills, if the Bills have home field advantage, well, you know what? No. No, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So basically, here's the deal. This is so fucked. So the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals. So basically, if the Bills or Bengals are in the AFC Championship game, the, the, it will go to a neutral site. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> I thought something different, but I guess, I guess I'm wrong. So, and now we're wondering where that site's going to be because Indianapolis does not want to host it because they got a volleyball tournament that weekend. I, I think that I think what the Bengals are mad at, though, is this whole 
coin flip yes. thing if they make it to the wild card round with the Ravens. And I don't agree with this one. I'm not a fan of this one. So I guess based on winning percentage, but I guess we're not taking winning percentage into account, the Bengals are the AFC North champions, no right. matter what happens. But there is a possibility that if they lose tomorrow, they would have the same amount of wins as the Ravens, and the Ravens would have swept them. Just they have one less loss because they didn't play a game against the Bills. So in the case that the Ravens beat the Bengals and they play each other again the following week mm-hmm. in the wildcard matchup where the Bengals would be the third seed and the Ravens would be the sixth seed, then we have a coin toss to determine who gets home field advantage. That's crazy to me. That's something out of Friday Night Lights. I think it should just be that the Bengals have won the division, and if the Bengals and Ravens play each other, that the Bengals get home field advantage. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I Here's the thing. This is what I'm going to say. This is screwed up now, 100%. Uh-huh. It's not going to be fair to most fan bases. The you know the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs all have some of the most diehard fans in the NFL, and you work your whole you know, off season and regular season to hosts to host a conference championship. This thing is weird, no doubt, but it is what it is at this point. And we're all going to watch. So I think we all just need to take it for what it is at this point. Um, I thought there was a scenario where the bills could host the AFC championship game, but I guess there isn't. So it is what it is. Yeah. That, it's just weird because they already have a rule in place too. Like Joe Mixon tweeted it yeah. out and it's just, they already have a rule yet. They wanted to alter that rule and somehow it's it's penalizing the Bengals more than any other team. They try to make it fair for the rest of the NFL, but it's like I don't know. I'm I'm I was at that point where I'm thinking, well, who cares about the other teams? Like it's okay if the Bills and Bengals only play 16 games. Keep the winning percentage, whatever. Give them an yeah. advantage if they manage to, you know, if they actually win this weekend. It's really I don't know. They're already at like they're they're already thinking about Monday and everything that happened there. Yeah. It's like. I don't know, man. I'm. I get their frustration, but in the end, you're right. You gotta. You just gotta play on. And the question will be though, like, where is the neutral site? Because, like, think I'm thinking about like the champion or the the semifinal for college football. It's like, yeah, all right. Georgia and Ohio State are playing at a neutral site. They're playing in Atlanta. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not exactly a neutral site. What are they gonna do for a neutral site there? I don't know. It has to be like on the the most neutral site is the West Coast. Go to the Cal Stadium. I don't know what they will do because it sounded like Indianapolis was the best option. and Indy doesn't want to host that game. Detroit doesn't want to host that game. So we will see. Um, maybe it should be outdoors to get the benefit. Like all three of those teams are outdoor teams. They still have that feel. Yeah. Um, I like the idea initially. There was a report that there was going to be an option for whoever was the one seed to either get a home field advantage or the bye. Now, that's unconventional. But maybe it was the best scenario for what is going on. Right. And yes, it's a clusterfuck. I completely understand that. A younger me would have been pissed that this whole thing was screwed up. But in the end, it is what it is. It's what we have to deal with. No one has ever seen anything like what we saw this week with a man almost dying on a field. They had to cancel that game. They had to do what's best going forward. If the Bills don't have a problem with it, I know the Bengals have a problem with it, but in the grand scheme of things, I think they'll be okay. It is what it is. I'll just keep saying it is what it is. It's unfair 
but it is what it is. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, they made the rule. They yeah. made the rule and you just got to live with it. Yeah. And yes, it is a little college football, you know, like conference championship feel a little bit, but I don't know. Bills fans travel well. Chiefs fans travel well. Bengals fans travel well. I think everybody will be happy. And I think we probably won't end up seeing that because those are the three strongest teams in the AFC. So we shall see. Yeah. Um, let's talk about David Carr. Oh, so this was originally supposed to be you and I talking about this for the last podcast, but obviously things change with what happened in the NFL. So we talked about a last podcast that David Carr tweeted out something that he was going to get ready for NFL total access. And he was going to go on that night and talk about how the Raiders screwed his brother. And he's also doing a podcast with the cousins on harvest sports. Is that their thing? Yeah. Harvester sports, harvester sports. So before the bills and Bengals kicked off, this is what David Carr had to say about Derek. Time that I'm only going to play for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Raiders. Right. Derek Carr has he's said for a long time that I'm only going to play for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Raiders or no one else. So that's loyalty. So he was fully invested. Six head coaches. Khalil Mack gets traded. Mari Cooper shipped off. John Gruden gets fired midseason. He's going through all this turmoil, right? He never called out a coach. Never called out the organization. Never called out the top brass in the organization. Never said anything. All he did was try to bring people in. He tried to bring in his best friend, which he was successful at, Devontae Adams. That trade was dead. The Packers and the Raiders weren't going to trade, right? Mm. They got on the phone and made it happen. So he's bringing people in the entire time. Is he appreciated for that? No. I sit on this desk, and I'm every year, yeah. Yeah, I've talked about Derek. Oh, he's going to be replaced. Oh, someone's going to bring him in, right? They got to trade. They got to do this. They got to do that. All he did was go out and be the all-time leading passer in the history of the Raiders. So when I look at this, all right, it wasn't Derek that changed, right? It was the Raiders that changed. Yeah. So when I go forward with Derek, that conversation about him being retired or a Raider is no longer an option. He's playing football again, right? So he's reinvigorated. He's excited to go out. So the Raiders are going to seek a trade. They're going to bring trades, which Derek has a no trade clause, and they're going to listen. And he's going to look for teams that have a stable situation between their head coach and their ownership, right? Stable, right? He's also going to be looking for a team that is also looking for a quarterback that has a reputation for game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks. I'm excited. Maybe he's the missing piece for someone. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for my brother's future. I'm a little upset, all right? So that happens. It all happens. right, big bro. I had been a little bit. I had been a little bit. That's- Ugh. Steven, your thoughts first. Well, um, I saw something interesting because, of course, the car, other car brother, Darren Carr, decided to comment on whoever was criticizing uh, David and what he did on NFL Network. And um, me being a younger brother, I don't, you know, I don't disparage him for wanting to be to back up his younger brother, especially with everything he's been through. Like he is absolutely not wrong with whatever he is saying. Um, although the Adams thing, I think 40 million helped with that. Uh, whatever the, whatever the amount was that they paid him, the 210 million. I actually still barely even looked at contract because I was so excited by the trade. Um, it was, I think it was 210 million was yeah. what they were paying him. Uh, so nah, not necessarily, it wasn't all Derek. Like they were managing to fork up the money. The reason they got rid of Khalil Mack, I'm sure Derek was, raising his voice there. But the reason they got rid of Khalil Mack was because they didn't want to, they didn't have enough money in escrow or whatever that excuse was. Um, But then the only thing that he didn't talk about as far as the, the change, you know, Derek hasn't changed. No, he hasn't changed too much except for his play on the field. It has regressed this year when it was a make or break year, when they say in the contract, Hey, 
it's do or die for you. Like if you don't, if you, if we don't think you're worth the 32 million uh, next year and then the seven and a half guaranteed that we have, like if we don't think you're worth that, then you're not going to get that, that, that contract. That's what it told you. You know, they didn't promise anything to him. It's in the contract. So I get that he's upset. I understand all of that. But, and also to any of the analysts who keep convincing me that Carr's a good quarterback. Yeah, he is from the months of September to November, but then in December he completely drops off. And that's when people stop paying attention to him because the team stinks. So like they're focusing on the playoff teams at that point, the analysts for the most part, they're not like, I I'm fully convinced of that. Of course they, they try to watch every game and try to keep objective, but I'm fully convinced that they don't watch in December because he's just not good in December. I, I don't know. Like, I think Carr's going to be good wherever he goes and maybe he does need a stable place to go, but just to not even acknowledge that he's regressed like to the worst that he's been in quite some time. Like I, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's kind of foolish to do. And when Darren Carr says that, Hey, he's speaking for Derek here. It's not like Derek's not going to go to the media and say this, you know, I think like Bryce Butler also chimed in and, you know, commented backing up Derek here. Well, if Derek can acknowledge that he had a down season, even when he brought his friend in, then I don't know what to tell you. I would be hypocritical if I did not acknowledge my own anger when family comes into play, when someone is discontinued with uh-huh. the Raiders organization. I was angry when my father was fired. I yeah. completely understand uh, David Carr's feelings, but I'm with you, Stephen. Um, he needs to acknowledge that as an NFL analyst, that Derek Carr did not have a good season. Now, we don't there's there's one thing where he brings up Derek didn't change the organization didn't change and you and I talked about this in our text did somehow Mark Davis or Josh McDaniels give Derek Carr the vote of confidence that no matter what this is a tryout season and you'll be brought back next season then that's a little shady but i didn't like it either i you know i was looking back and seeing other teams if they did something similar like this Matthew Stafford kept playing for the Lions. No one shut him down toward the end of the season. And I get it that Jared Stidham played fantastic last week. But, you know, he's been there for nine years. Maybe give him a nice send-off. I am in agreement with you, though, that David is speaking for Derek, and he's upset. But also, it's the truth. He, he, he did not play well this season, and you need to acknowledge that. And... You know, I think he's a little, a little, a little too much uh, with calling the Raiders a more stable, or you know, or less stable organization. Um, you know, the funny part is the stable organizations for the most part have their franchise quarterbacks. Like, yeah, that's the thing is like you're the Broncos getting Russell Wilson. They thought he was going to make it a stable organization. They thought they had something there. Turns out it didn't happen. I don't know if it's going to turn into a Russell Wilson situation or like a Matthew Stafford situation for Carr, where he goes yeah. to a team and he just elevates them to an entirely different level. Maybe the Jets are that team. Um, and I think the Jets would be the best place for him to go because they got a lot of talent. I like Garrett Wilson a lot. I think he's like one of the best receivers in the NFL, actually. Um, but as a rookie, no one wants to give him that. That's also why Brock Purdy's not going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Sorry. Like, Garrett Wilson's just better or has been doing this for the entire season and with, you know, Mike White as his quarterback. Anyway, what about Chris Olave? Chris Olave's right up. Chris Olave's right up there, too. 
Um, but anyway, continue. I'm sorry. No, I mean, that's my point is just I understand what David's feeling because, you know, it's his blood. But at the same time, it's a glaring omission to, to say that he hasn't played well. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a little much, to be completely honest. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys are back in Derek Carr. I completely get it. He's been a stand-up guy with that organization. But it is what it is. He did not play well in that Pittsburgh game. A lot of inaccurate passes. And I understand it now. It, it is justified with how Jared Stidham played. And we'll see if Jared backs it up today um, against the Chiefs. But, yeah, I I think that going forward, I, I learned that you can't be, you can't show your anger and frustration all the time when, you know, things don't go your way. You know, I was upset with the Raiders' decision to not, you know, have my dad be the play-by-play guy anymore. But then things just move on, and I think that David Carr needs to move on. If he keeps voicing this, it's going to be a bad look. Derek will find a new team, but he also needs to be an NFL analyst and not just the Derek Carr analyst. And I know loyalty really goes like a long way in sports. Like, it really does. But sometimes disloyalty might be the best thing for your career. Like, after, Mm. like, not disloyalty, but him saying he's never called out his coaches, he's never called out the organization, he's never done this, he's never done that. Well, maybe, you know, in his nine years, he could have called out the organization or maybe said, you know what, you've been switching up offensive coordinators on me throughout. I need to get out of here. You just traded Khalil Mack away. I don't care that Gruden's here. Like, I got to get out. You know what I mean? Like, he could have he could have taken control because I totally think that... But But that's not in his character. I know it's not, but I totally think that, you know, he's had the type of career where, you know, if he would have had a, like he mentioned, if he had a stable team, you know, and had consistent coaching where he had time to learn the system instead of just constantly learning something new every year, like his career could have been totally different, but now it's like you're nine years out of it and I don't know, maybe the best thing for his career maybe would have been to call out the organization or maybe would have been to discuss a trade. I don't know, something like that where he could have said, you know what, like I need something here where I know that I'm going to go to a place where the coaches are the same. Like how many times has the coach changed with Patrick Mahomes there? Never. It's been the same system every single year. And I'm not saying Carr would have been Patrick Mahomes. Russell Wilson, like his time in Seattle, you know, maybe it's just going to a new team and learning something completely different with a new team. But I, like, but I will, I sorry to cut you off, but I will say Russell Wilson did have changes at offensive coordinator all the time. It was right. Pete who ran the ship, but as far as the offensive side of the ball, it was constantly right. changing. Right. And Russell Wilson's also different because it's not necessarily the system that makes him a good quarterback. He could just right. escape from the pocket and play backyard football. So maybe that's not a good example. And maybe it's the same with Patrick Mahomes too, but I don't well, know. No, I mean, I, th- I think Andy Reid helps him, but yeah, sorry. Maybe, maybe Carr's, you know, the the type of guy that needed that consistency, and he just did not have a fair shake in his career. And you know what? He could be good again. Like I'm not gonna, yeah, not I, gonna sit here and be like he's gonna be a total failure, and he's gonna, um, you know, he's gonna disappoint whichever fan base that he goes to. No, they're getting a very stand up individual. 
I do think in December they're going to frustrate him, but I also don't know what he's going to be like in the playoffs. Maybe he can surprise some people, but anytime he's played in these big games, this is why you compare him to the Kirk Cousins of the world. And we always have this conversation during the regular season every single year when it comes to Kirk Cousins. Why do we disrespect Kirk Cousins? Why do we not think he's a good quarterback? No, nobody's disrespecting him during the regular season, but in the playoffs, like nobody's talking about Kirk Cousins being a good regular season quarterback. When they lose in the playoffs, nobody cares. Like like nobody cares about what you do in the regular season. And that's kind of what it's turned into. That's why I think that the, that's why I think the comparison is just so like, that's why I think it's warranted, you know, like they're, they're cousins, Garoppolo car. They're all in that tier where they're good, but there's levels to it and they're not that next level. You know what I mean? It's it's, no, I, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, and yeah, I, you know, listening to David talk, uh, him to him saying that Derek got the deal done with Devante. I'm sure it helped that they were buddies and they knew each other from Fresno State. But you think Derek Carr picked up the phone and talked to Brian Gudikis and said, "All right, man, here's what we need." No. So in Devonte Adams, I'm sure a lot of Raider fans are breathing a sigh of relief when he was straight up asked this week, "Do you want to be a Raider still with Derek Carr not being here?" And he said, "Yes. I understand that Derek's my buddy and everything, but I wanted to be a Raider long before he came over here." So. It is what it is, and I think everybody will will be better going forward. I just don't know if you know the Raiders are banking on Tom Brady to be their quarterback. Could be a pipe dream, but yeah, I think that it's best for everybody to move forward. And it was right with the contract situation. If they couldn't get out of Derek Carr's deal, then yes, you you go with him another season, and maybe he does better in Josh McDaniels' offense. But to rip the Band-Aid off and to save a bunch of money and to get draft capital out of it, I think is the best scenario for the Raiders going forward. You know the uh, you know the definition of pipe dream? You know like its origins? No. I didn't know until like, you just said pipe dream, and I was like, you know what? I've used that term, but I've never really known what it means. I, I use that too, it. but also I think it's kind of dirty when I bring it up. In the late 19th century, it referred to a dream experience when smoking an opium pipe. So I just like to imagine Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels and Dave Siegler all sitting in like a circle. In an opium den? In an opium den, passing the pipe going like, you know what? We could bring back Tom Brady and create Patriots quarterback room 2.0. That's how dodgeball got started. That's how dodgeball got started. Human heads. (laughs) And also, I read this today. It's a Chinese opium den, Timmy. (laughs) Jesus, mister, you scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, Mark Davis, I saw today, a little upset that the uh, the home field advantage at Allegiant Stadium is not to his liking. Oh, really? Really? Fuck out of here. Anyway. Yeah, it's like, what, you're going to put it, in, you're, you're basically put it in a neutral site. Like, Vegas doesn't have any allegiance to anything except just their football teams because they got, like, what does he think, what did he think was going to happen? Again. I went to it last week. Nice stadium, but it doesn't feel like a black hole Raider stadium. That's that's partially why I don't think the A's really want to move there. Like I think the A's really want their fan, like their hardcores, their diehards. They want that somewhere. Like I don't know where that could be, but I don't think Vegas. I think has pro- actually. You know what? The Golden Knights though have proven like you can do it in Vegas. So yeah, but with, nah, but I you can. But that that was just that was Vegas's first. 
professional team. sports team besides yeah. you know whatever XFL team you're talking about. Right, right. Um, it was brand new too. If the A's like went to Portland, team. if the A's went to Portland, they would rule Portland. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll, there's a lot of Blazers fans there, man. No, of course, but I'm sorry. It's just for for baseball, right? Yeah, I mean Vegas. I I don't know if that's a good baseball crowd. What do they got? The Sea Dogs, the Portland Sea Dogs. I have no idea. Well, you, I mean they they do fill out that uh, the Aviators Stadium, the Los An- the Las Vegas Aviators, the Triple. Yeah, but the A's would have to change their whole philosophy of how they do business. Mm, yeah, as true. as Ford and Bob told us. Um, we'll pick some games before we get out of here, but real quick, Stephen. Come Monday, we will have a lot of head coaching vacancies. Or maybe not. Who knows? But a lot of teams are going to decide whether or not some of these guys should be their coaches going forward. A lot of guys in the hot seat. And I'm going to run through some names here real quick. And you let me know if you think they're coming back to coach their respective teams or if they're going to get the axe come Monday. You ready? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's start off with this because I've been watching this show and it's been fun. Um, Cliff Kingsbury. For the Arizona Cardinals, do you think that he's going to be fired come Monday? I do think that there's a chance that he will. Yeah, I think there's a very likely chance. Just okay, it, it may, it's and it's totally based on. Um, it's totally based on. I haven't watched any of Hard Knocks to be honest, but it's totally based on that article that I read, that extensive ESPN article, where he's just like it seems like Cliff Kingsbury's kind of on an island. So I don't know if he's gonna. Well, we don't know. We don't know what's going on with the GM too, because Steve Kime had to take a leave of absence, and we there's a history of him having uh, alcohol issues, but we don't know if the two are correlated. Mm. Um, so we'll see if they just change the whole regime there. Michael Bidwell says adieu to both the GM and the head coach. But in my opinion, you're going to go into the season with Kyler Murray not playing most of next season in 2023. So is that going to be appealing to any head coach to, who takes over that job? I'm going to say no. And even though it's leading, it seems to be leaning in that direction that Cliff Kingsbury is going to get the axe, but I don't know how you make that situation better with a brand new coach. It's still going to be a shitty situation. So you might as well have someone who's there and could probably lure Baker Mayfield to fill in until Kyler Murray gets back. So against my better judgment, I'm going to say Cliff Kingsbury stays in Arizona, but he did talk to the media yesterday and they straight up asked him, do you think you're going to be the head coach next season? He just answered, I'm just focused on this game this upcoming week. So very well could be that he gets fired, but I think it wouldn't make I wouldn't make any sense. By the mm-hmm. way, JJ Watt playing his last game tomorrow. So uh yeah. kudos to him on a great career. Um Lovey Smith with the Texans. Probably gone. I I I don't really have much of an opinion on that one. <laughs> I, was, I mean, well, I just I don't think there's anybody that's stable with the with the Texans yeah. organization. I don't think there's anyone that's safe doing that job. It would be shitty in the back to back seasons they fire um, David Cully for one year, and then they fired Lovey Smith for one year. But we had uh, John McClain, who not of Yippie Kaye motherfucker fame, but John McClain of Houston sports fame on yesterday. Great accent. Oh, fantastic. Oh, you know, back in the day when I was covering Ken Stabler, the snake? Yeah. <laughs> um, he was naked all the time, and I just I just answered his questions. The um, only time I've ever hosted and had him as a guest was when um, – when the Hall of Fame class was announced and Andre Johnson was right up yeah, there. Yeah. So we talked about Andre for the entire time. That was great. The entire time I covered Andre Johnson, he, was, he, a, he was a classy individual. He, he knows his shit with Brock Purdy. He watched every uh, Iowa State game. Mm-hmm. Um, but John McClain came on and was straight up and said it would be a 
terrible decision if the Texans decide not to pursue D'Amico Ryans as their head coach. He would be, you know, he played there. He would be viewed as, you know, the savior of that team. And he went to Alabama. If they lose tomorrow, they'll have the number one pick and Bryce Young. So, yeah, we I'm talked gonna, about that. We, we talked about that, too, actually. Yeah. So I'm going to say Lovey Smith uh, is gone. No, uh. even though that's probably unfair, but that's just how the Texans roll. Mm. Uh, Dennis Allen with the Saints. They're playing better lately. Yeah, I think I think Allen's going to stay there. I I do do I think so as well. They could actually finish eight and nine, respectable eight and nine, if they win tomorrow. This one is is interesting, and I've heard rumors of this lately, and I don't like it. And I've but, seen it too. I think I know where you're going. Uh, if he loses six in a row, there's talks that Mike McDaniel will be fired with the Miami Dolphins, and I think that would be a terrible decision. Yeah, that's not going to happen. If the Dolphins had any, well, that's the Dolphins. You know what? Considering how stupid it would be, yeah, they might. They might just do it. They might do that, but I think that'd be extremely unfair. Uh, they're, you know, they lost Tua. Um, they're playing better teams, in my opinion, than the stretch of. The, I mean, th- this schedule was brutal. Somehow, some way, if they could find a way to beat the Jets with Skylar Thompson tomorrow, then I think it saves Mike McDaniel his job. But also, you, you can't jump the gun on this. So I'm going to say no. I think Mike Medina keeps his job. Um, also, what was it that was posted on Twitter that went viral? It's like, jokes don't land when you're not winning. And I, I well, lost that's true. That. And I was like, no, that joke landed. That was really funny. You're just not you're just not laughing because he's losing five in a row. Oh, you're talking about the uh, Mike McGloin joke? Yes. Or no, sorry, Mike McGloin. Matt McGloin? No, that's Matt McGloin. Mike Glennon Mike joke Glennon. with Mike McDaniel. Well, we're both named Mike. <laughs> It's just it's not like, bad impression, too. It's so funny, man. And he, he's like, and people are like, you know, accusing him of, of you know, being drunk or something or being no. stoned on the podium. But no, like I, I've watched, I watched every one of his uh, pressers That's when he was the way he is. when he's the offensive court. He's just that, like, see, that's mm, that gets me because he works tirelessly, and head coaches don't get enough credit for. And this is why, like, you know, a guy like. You know, Sean, I just saw Rex Ryan, by the way, like on ESPN, just cho- like in tears talking about the DeMar Hamlin situation um, and how that affected him as a coach, because I think he understands like where any like, I mean, he can understand and put himself in the shoes of any NFL head coach. But these guys literally dedicate their lives to the team, to their job to making sure these guys win, to putting them in the best position to win, no matter how poor a coach may be uh, as far as his decisions and maybe his scheme doesn't work. But the reason that he looked like that is because he's talking in the middle of the week as he's preparing for a game where his job may or may not be on the line. So give the guy a little bit of credit for not being prim and proper, uh, or at least given the benefit of the, of the doubt for not being Mr. Upstanding. Hey, I'm wide awake. I'm going to answer your questions. Like nothing's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. These head coaches, they're just, they're held to such a standard when they're speaking to the media, but we don't need to stoop so low as to say, Oh yeah, he's drunk in the middle of the day. No, doing no, a, no, no. That's that. That's ridiculous. Cause Mike McDaniel, I think while he's clever and funny at times, he also, I think he handles tough situations difficult uh he's just difficult to, to talk about them in that moment like when he had to talk about Tua and his concussion problems it's hard for him to speak like you know because we're all used to him kind of being like 
you know, loose and funny. And but it, but I mean, it gets to him. And I, I, you know, we don't know how people are behind closed doors. I'm sure that behind closed doors, he's a leader of men to all those people, all the players with the Miami Dolphins. But yeah, to say he's drunk or high, that's that's ridiculous. I can I, don't think he's I can I can empathize with him, man. There's a line from Friends, Derek, where Chandler Bing. I love Friends. It, he no, you do you? No, no, you don't. Um, but there's a line where Chandler Jan, Chandler Bing, he makes a joke in an unnecessary moment uh, to somebody who he doesn't know, and then she looks at him, and then he puts out his hand. He says, "Hi, I'm Chandler Bing. I make jokes when I'm uncomfortable." Yes. That's that's Steve. So I get where Mike McDaniel is coming from in that situation. Maybe he was uncomfortable. You empathize with him. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, (laughs) And then Robert Sala. Some rumors have that he may get the ax. I don't think that's going to happen either. But then again, Woody Johnson is an impatient man. Hmm. That's an I actually haven't heard that one. That's an interesting one, but I uh, no, the, I think the team really. I, I, Robert Sala is a really. He's like a player's coach, isn't he? Like, I think the team really loves to play for him. Yeah, I, I think they'd be doing a disservice if they fired. I mean, he's the Jets were in playoff, you know, contention along with the with the uh, Dolphins. But um, yes, both teams had bad losing streaks to end the season. But I think if they just you know get a quarterback, if you're the Jets or the Dolphins. You know, find a way to be better teams. Like they, they're that schedule was brutal, absolutely brutal. They played the Niners, they played the Chargers, they played the Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to play the Packers. They had to play the Patriots. Who knows? They still could sneak into the playoffs, but just a bad situation for both teams. I think it'd be a disservice if you fired either of them. And then this one, Stephen. Uh huh. So I brought this up to you last week, and you seem to believe that why would you fire Brandon Staley now when the Chargers are doing a good job? going forward in the postseason. Well, if Sean Payton becomes available and he is going to be worth a first-round pick, may, I'm sorry, not a draft pick, some are saying a first-round pick, that'd be ridiculous, but it will cost you. If you're the Chargers or the Cowboys and you are bounced early in your playoff games, do you consider making an upgrade by firing either Braden Staley or Mike McCarthy for Sean Payton? Uh, the Mike McCarthy one, I absolutely would. Um, I, I, yeah, Mike McCarthy would be the one if I had to, if I had to choose. Like, now, see, I would go opposite. I know I would you fire would. Brandon Staley because I understand that they're making strides and the defense is playing better, but with that quarterback and that offense and that talent, and you're bringing Vic Fangio with you, supposedly, I would not hesitate to make that move. Now, with Mike McCarthy and everything with the Cowboys, I don't know if Sean Payton wants to be sick of banana to Jerry Jones. And I don't know if he really thinks that he can make Dak Prescott that great of a player. If she, if he wants to be what? Second sick of banana. banana. Never second, heard that? Is that, a, is that another saying? I'm, th- I'm, th- I'm throwing pipe dream and sick of banana at you. Second banana meaning. He's saying. not first banana, but he's sick of banana. Second most important person in the organization or activity. Where did it come from was a famous vaudeville skit involving three comedians attempting to share two bananas. So it's a second, vaudeville sketch. So second banana means the supporting player, the straight man, the pierce, the person who serves the boss. Interesting. So yeah, there you, you go. You use that correctly. It's not know, like you're, you're, you're surprised. 
I'm very surprised. Um, very well done. I'm going to use that moving forward. I don't steal things from me. Uh, <laughs> you're still my impressions of Kyle Shanahan. Um, yeah, I would think that the Cowboys already, I mean, like they, if they fire Mike, Mike McCarthy, they're probably going to elevate Kellen Moore. Hmm. That's where I think they're going. And Jerry Jones likes a yes, man. So if I had to predict the future, if the Chargers don't make a significant playoff run, I would not be the least bit surprised if they try to get Sean Payton. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Especially right. if it's what, but what do you think? Divisional round? Like they need to make it to the divisional round and then he's his job's safe. Like, what are you thinking? <sighs> well, if they're matched up with the Jaguars, I'd like them. So I don't know. I think if they don't beat the Jaguars, then yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Bye -bye. If they're if, if they're bounced out of the first round, then I think I don't think they hesitate to make that move. Even if they lose in the second round, I think it's going to be hard for the Chargers to be like this guy wants to coach our team. Why would we say no? And I understand Brandon Staley's done a good job with that team, but you have a chance to make Justin Herbert, Drew Brees, and you have Austin Eckler, who's very similar to Darren Sproles and what they had back in the day with the Saints. You already have Joe Lombardi, who's the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, who knows um, Sean Payton from his days in New Orleans. I think it would be a match made in heaven, but I also understand you doing the guy dirty. If he makes takes the team to the playoffs, then you fire him. Yeah. No, that, I, I think that makes sense. All right. Let's pick some games and see how these playoff matchups will go this weekend based on our picks and a little thing we call wins. Or Wangs. Even though we haven't really done the, the, the actual we're, punishment. We're taking it seriously from here on out, Stephen. Going forward from week 18 to the Super Bowl, we are keeping track of this shit, and we will do these punishments the following games. Or shows, I should say. All right, here we go. First game on the docket today. The Kansas City Chiefs are taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs will play today. I saw him on the field warming up even though that his dad was in the hospital this week. Sad story. But Josh Jacobs will play. And uh, this is for all of the AFC for the Kansas City Chiefs. If they win today, they lock up the number one seed. Uh -huh. They are eight and a half point favorites, and the over-under is at 52. Chiefs win, Raiders cover, take the over. Ooh. I am going to take the Chiefs to win, and I'm going to lay the points just because... We got a little tape on Jared Stidham now, and the Chiefs are going to play hard to lock up this uh, this one seed. So I'm mm. going to take the points. I'm taking the over as well. Then we got a sexy game later on tonight, but not sexy enough for NBC, as this game will be on ABC and ESPN. Tennessee at Jacksonville. The Tennessee Titans have lost six in a row, and the Jaguars are on the cusp from stealing a division away from the Titans if they win. The Titans got Josh Dobbs going, and they also have a lot of guys coming back like Derrick Henry and a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. The Jaguars are six and a half point favorites, and the over/under is at forty. Mm, I am going to go with you know what, I'm going to lay the points with the Jags, and Ooh. I'll take the over. I am going to take the Jags to win, but I'm going to say the Tennessee Titans cover. Just maybe a little too hard for Josh Jobs to pull this off, but I'm going to say they're going to cover this game. And to the over. Interesting. The, then we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are four-point favorites, and the over-under is at 40. Here's the deal. The Buccaneers have locked everything up. They cannot move up or down. They are locked in at the four seed because they are NFC South Division champs. But some people believe 
that they are going to rest their starters. I don't believe that. I guess Vegas has some intel to believe that because the Falcons are four-point favorites. But I can't see Tom Brady wanting to take a week off and he wants to build on more momentum after they won that game last week. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win and I'm going to take the over. Yeah, actually, I'd do the same thing. If, But what if he does sit? Well, I don't think he's going to, but what if he does? Then we're screwed. So, that is true. There we, there we go. Yeah, I'd do the same thing. Just weird picking these games for week 18. I was looking at that. Yeah, it's like weird that it started out at minus three and a half and still numbers were going in on the Falcons. So it's a minus yeah. four. It's crazy. Uh, next game, we got the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Um, so basically the Vikings need the Niners to lose in order to get that two seed. The Vikings are six point favorites and the over under is 42 and a half. Uh, hmm. The Vikings are what? What'd you say? Six point favorites. Six points. Damn. I only have plus four. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I love a home. You know what? I'm going to take the bears to cover Ooh. the Vikings to win. And what was your over under? 42 and a half. 42 and a half. I'll yes. Take the, I'll take the over on that. All right. Yeah, I'll take the over. We also got uh, our favorite guy, um, Nathan Peterman, playing for uh, the Bears. Mm, so they may play, then they may play with the six-point favorites. I'm taking the Vikings to win. I'm going to lay the points, and I'm going to go under on that mm. bad boy. Then we got the Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Not anything playoff-wise, obviously, with these two teams, but here's the deal. The Colts are starting Sam Ellinger. If they lose this game and the Texans win and the Bears lose, then I believe the Bears have the number one seed. Or sorry, not number one seed, number one draft pick in the upcoming draft. Ooh. Damn. So the Colts are two and a half point favorites and the over-under is 38. Mm, you know what? Give me the Texans. Take the Texans to win. And? Take the over. 38's a really low number. I'm going to take the under, because I think this both offenses are terrible. And I'm going to take the Texans to win as well. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. And then we get the Bears getting the one seed. And, or one seed. I keep saying one seed. Ugh. What, a number terrible, one, what a terrible Number game. one pick in the NFL draft. A terrible game. I know. Terrible. Then we got the Jets playing the Miami Dolphins. So if the Dolphins win and the Patriots lose, the Miami Dolphins would be in as the seventh seed in the AFC playoffs. However, Skylar Thompson is going to start for your Miami Dolphins. Right. And on the flip side, the Jets are starting Joe Flacco. The Miami Dolphins are three-point favorites, and the over-under is 37. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I'll take the Dolphins to cover that number, and then I'll take the, uh, you know, I'll take the over shootout between Thompson and Flacco. Let's go. All right. So you're taking the Dolphins to win with a Skyler with a Skyler Thompson. Yep. But you're taking the Jets to cover. No, I'm taking the Dolphins to win outright, and then yeah, lay the points with them. Yep. Oh, lay the points. Gotcha. All right. I'm taking the Jets to win. Just straight up. I think Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Skylar Thompson is. And he got it done against the Cleveland Browns earlier this year. So I'm taking the Jets. I'm going to take the under on that one. Then we got the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. 
Uh, New Orleans is three and a half point favorites, and the over under is forty two. You know what? I think the Panthers can win this one. I'm gonna take the Panthers. Give me the Panthers right. to win outright, and then I'll take the under. Alrighty. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Saints to win. I'm gonna lay the points, and I'll go over. Then we got the Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Miami Dolphins lose and the Patriots lose, then the Pittsburgh Steelers could win if or could be in if they win. Yeah. The over/under is forty points, and the Steelers are favored by two and a half. Yeah, I'll take the lay the points with the Steelers, and um, I'm gonna go under. I think it's gonna be an under game. I am gonna do the same, except I'll go over. And I think the Steelers are gonna get in with the way the sets up. Yeah. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers to make it as a seventh seed in the playoffs, which would be crazy. Baltimore at Cincinnati. The Bengals are nine-point favorites, and the over/under is thirty-nine and a half. No Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'm gonna lay the points with the uh, with the Bengals. And what's the over/under? Thirty-nine and a half. Yep. Damn, I got forty-two and a half here. Uh, I'll take the over on that. Whatever. What are you looking at? I'm looking at CBS Sports. Uh, they like, probably have it updated then. I'm probably looking yeah. at the whole thing. Um, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals to win, but I'm going to take the Ravens to cover. It's been a long week for the Bengals, so I'm going to go with that, and I'll take the over. Okay. Then we got the New England Patriots at Buffalo Bills. Quite simple. If the Patriots win, they are in as a seventh seed, but the Buffalo Bills are seven-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-unders at 43-and-a-half. Yeah, I'm going to lay the points with the Bills. They're really going to play hard today. and um, Tomorrow. And or tomorrow, excuse me, and then I'll take the under on that. I am going to take the Bills to win, but I do believe that the Patriots will cover. I think it's going to be it's been a long week for the Bills as well, so I'm going to take the Patriots to cover, and I'll go under. I'm then getting got, I'm getting word right now, by the way, that the uh, Raiders and Chiefs just did their national anthem, and Gavin DeGraw sang the national anthem, and apparently uh, he is reaching. A status of Fergie at the NBA All-Star Game with his... It's that bad? Apparently it's that bad. I will take a look after we're done oh, here. Yeah, we... Well, oh, boy. Char- Chargers at Broncos. The Broncos are three-point favorites because everyone's expecting the Chargers to rest their starters, and the over-under is 40. And a, 40. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm absolutely going to lay the points with the Chargers here. And um, you know what? Random, but Russell Wilson has managed to score a little bit, so I'm gonna take the over. So the Broncos are favorites. So you're taking the hey, Chargers Bron- to cover. Broncos aren't favored. They are favored. What? Well, so I'm looking at the wrong thing. I think you're. I don't know if you're right here. Am I totally off on everything I just said? I think you're. I think you're a little off on that one. Hang on. Oh, Denver. Does Denver favored? Yeah, oh because my they're goodness. saying the Chargers are resting their starters. This one is totally off then. Yeah, Um. whatever. Yeah, just lay the points with the Broncos and then take the over. So we lay, lay the points with the Broncos now? Yep. You're all over the place, Stephen. All right, uh, Arizona at San Francisco, 14.5-point favorites for the uh, Niners. If they win, they get the second seed, maybe even the one seed, depending on Giants and Eagles, and the over-under is 39.5. Yeah, this is a total just we're going to dominate game, and I'm going to take the over on that because I think the offense is going to come out firing too. 
Um, so yeah, this is going to be an absolute domination. So lay the points with the Niners and yeah. All right. And, uh, I'm going to take the under on that one. I'll go with the same, the points with the Niners, but I'm gonna go under. Cause I just don't think there's gonna be a lot of points scored with David Blau. Then we got the Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by six and the over under is 41 and a half. No, we do not Ernie. Uh, I'm going to lay the points with the Seahawks and I'll take the over. I'm going to have the Seahawks cover, but I'm going to go over as well. Then we got Dallas at Washington. Dallas is seven-point favorites, and the over-under is 40. Who's Washington starting this week? Sam Howell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll lay the points with the Cowboys. Same here. I'm going to go over. You're going yeah. over as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we got the Giants at Philly, and Philly's 14.5-point favorites. The over-under is 43. Sounds as if that the Giants may rest their starters. Yeah, yeah, and aren't I mean it looks like Jalen Hurts might actually play. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'll lay the points with the Eagles and uh just take the under. Take the under. Yeah. I'm gonna go over, but I'll lay the points with the Eagles. And then Lions at Green Bay, the uh Packers are four and a half point favorites and the over under is forty nine. Well this one's this one's weird, isn't it? Because isn't there a chance like that this could be just rendered, yes, like useless. If 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 the Seahawks end up winning, then that this game is useless to the Lions. Right, right. So, I think the Seahawks are going to win. So I'm going to. What's the spread again? What do you have? I don't even four and a half them. for the Packers. Yeah, I'm going to lay the points with the Packers. Then this means a lot more for them, and then I'll take the over because it's still a Lions game. And just for shits and giggles, let's have the national championship. TCU at Georgia. Georgia's 12.5-point favorites, and the over-under is 63. Yeah, uh, I'm going – I don't know anything about college football, so lay the points with Georgia. And take the over? Yeah. All right. I'm going to take Georgia to win, but I'll take TCU to cover, and I'll go over on that one. Huh. Okay. Interesting. All right. And there you go. Raiders and Chiefs have just – kicked off and it looks like we already have a huge play from Mahomes throwing a long pass to Watson and now the Chiefs are in the red zone so here we go Steven say what you always say my friend oh it's just our opinion man whopper 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 <laughs>